My name's Matthew Leach and welcome to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The states are being faced with an impossible decision. Finish the hospital modernisation project or complete the education programme. It was never meant to come to this, but tight public finances will force at least one very important capital project to be mothballed. This is unless a compromise can be reached before July's capital projects portfolio debate. After being invited to the PEH to revisit just how important the second phase of Health and Social Care's modernisation project is, I sat down with the President of the Committee, Deputy Al Breward, and the Programme Director for Hospital Modernisation, Helen Ridgwick, to discuss the future of healthcare in Guernsey and why the island simply can't wait for a refurbished and rebuilt hospital. We will, um, I suppose, kick off with the, the big discussion at the moment. The reason I came to the hospital today in the first instance was to discuss the uh, hospital modernisation project. And I kind of wanted to just pick off from the beginning and, and see if, um, Al, if when PNR put these proposals in for the reshuffling of uh, capital projects, was it something you were expecting or was it kind of a surprise? I, I wasn't expecting um, for education to go ahead of health, in my personal view. Um, and I think most of my, my committee as well were, were probably surprised. Um, but that's what that's PNR's prerogative. Um, we've got three months to persuade them with regard to the order or come up with a, a different plan. But we are, are fairly um, convinced that we really need to press on with phase two sooner rather than later, because just of all the issues that you learnt about this morning. And so have, what kind of conversations have you had since with... PNR and um, ESC as well. Have there been conversations to try and dovetail the projects to try and find a a middle ground? Yes, we've been having discussions with with, um, ESC and also with PNR. We've written to PNR. We've also had um, uh, members of PNR come to our presentation, which was very similar to the one that you received this morning, but but for deputies. So we're we're engaging all the time. And there are uh, plans afoot, I understand, for for some... um, proposals that may come forward in the July debate but of course we, we need to um, we need to continue to press on we don't have a choice you know the demographics aren't going to be changed by anything that PNR do we're going to have to face that particular conundrum whether we like it or not and hence the need for us to to press ahead because it sounds very important that we get clearly incredibly important that we get this project um, the second phase of this across the line. Um, I just want to hear again, what does happen if education programme gets prioritised in the upcoming debate? Well, I haven't really worked out that scenario, but I would say that I, I, we would have to mothball phase two, continue as we are. Um, Ireland will be faced with a higher cost when they do decide to do it, because they won't have a choice. We will, we will have to do phase two at some stage. It'll just be more expensive. We will lose more staff we will be unable to attract staff in the interim. Helen, is there anything you'd like to add on that? I think it's just a second what you've said, Al. You know, this, it's been called the silver tsunami by our colleagues at the MSG, and I think that was from um, one of our colleagues who'd worked in Singapore. Um, And they've invested significantly in Singapore to um, prepare for the silver tsunami that's coming. So it is inevitable, it is coming. So if things are mothballed, all that will happen is that obviously those the risks that we're currently in that the clinicians are working so wonderfully within at the moment, they will still be there. As the demand increases, if we haven't got the facilities to enable us to cope with that, then risks are going to get higher. Um, we're going to really struggle to attract and retain people, um, and we just won't be able to meet the demands of the population. 
You say the silver tsunami is coming. Um, it sounds like we're discussing it as if it's already here because we talk about the winter stress yeah. and now it sounds like it's all year round. It, it's all year round and it is here. You know, the, 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 the first bit of it has arrived. You know, we had five ambulances waiting outside ED uh, uh, earlier on this month. You know, it, so it's, it's a problem we are seeing now. What we need to do is convince my, my, my fellow politicians and islanders that they need to... Um, come forward and support the hospital modernisation because the, the, the issues aren't going to go away. And this is, I wanted to just quickly touch on one thing because we, uh, during the discussions today, there was a, uh, a question I wanted to ask about um, off-island treatment. I know there was like potentials for different ways of approaching the issues that we're facing. I did want to ask specifically if, if a pan-island kind of cooperation, have, have discussions happened with Jersey about potentially moving things across? and holding different surgeries in different islands, or is that something that is not going to work in this scenario? I think that, that certainly discussions are going on, on with Jersey, and we're due to um, meet their, their, their president or their minister um, shortly. But um, we also need to re remember that we are an island in our own right, so we need to be resilient for ourselves, not only um, to make sure that we can manage any, any issues, but we also have to be able to stabilise patients before we then pass them on to, to the UK. And very gratefully, the UK are able to take our patients. But it's not a long-term solution for us to send our normal patients to the UK for treatment. That, that, is, that is not sustainable. And of course, we, 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 we pay for that privilege. And, and money is like, I suppose, the operative word here, because quite interestingly from the presentation we saw today, to note is the finances and the forecast for if this does get delayed. I mean, this is going to cost us a lot of money if we don't do this now. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you, we, we, the island will, will rue the day that it didn't, because it will still have that problem, that, that those people are still going to be ageing and they're still going to be needing more and more treatment. So either they don't get the treatment or they're going to wait longer for it. And that's something we're trying to avoid. We've already seen what the pressures look like today. And you can see what the waiting lists, thanks to uh, COVID and a few other issues. But you know, we, that problem is not going to get any easier uh, um, as we go forward to, with the, as, as Helen said, the silver tsunami coming, coming up. We need to look after those people. Those are our families. Those are our children. Those are our grandparents. We, they need a, a modern functioning hospital fully staffed. And this is clearly a very... Uh passionate topic for all the people involved today. I mean, how difficult is, is it going to be for morale, for the, for the hospital, for the staff involved, if this doesn't go the way that you would hope it would? Well, it won't be good at all. I mean, anybody who's thinking of coming here will probably may consider not. Some of the people who are here may consider, actually, they may need to move to a different, different location for their career. We have to remember that we, we fish in, in a global pond for healthcare workers. We are very grateful for those who come here and we're very grateful for those who come here on, on agency because they can go anywhere in the world at the moment. Um, you know, trying to find a gastroenterologist is, is like looking for hen's teeth. You know, they are very much in demand and we have to make ourselves as attractive as possible so that they wish to come and work here and continue to practice. Um, I'm glad you touched on gastroenterology because you did bring that up in your, your uh, general uh, update the states last week. Um, I, it's a you mentioned it as a recovery initiative. Are there other similar recover other recovery initiatives that are as urgent that need to be that need to be sorted? 
Yes, there are a couple. I, I can't list them off the top of my head, but I, I believe we're looking at uh, in the social care um, side, we've got some recovery issues that we're looking to fund. I don't know if you've got any more details on that. In, not into details of different programmes, but just to rest assured, we have a waiting list initiative um, that we work at at officer level. We work with clinicians and we're looking at all of the data. We track all of these so that we, we are on top of where the waiting lists are, what's causing them. We literally track how many people come on, how many go off, what's the trend looking like, how do we think it's best for us to, um, to actually manage that. So things like opening de Havilland Ward in the hospital, we've seen with the orthopaedic waiting list, we've seen that they're, they're actually, as, as you have more people coming on and less going off, it immediately turns it red. Well, we're back into green, so we still do have waiting lists, but we're, we're taking more people off than are coming on as a result of the initiative that we've actually done here on island. So those are the types of things that we're doing all of the time to manage those waiting lists. And with the gastroenterology team that's coming over, yeah. I think they're here this week. This yeah, week, yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's that's going to give us a great a great boost to, to to reduce that list. And also, take it's not only about lists. There's people at the end of every single statistic, yeah. Yeah. and it's making sure that you know we look after islanders as best we can. And to be fair, it since COVID we have struggled on that particular area. And I know some you know there is a, a turn that people are getting seen but the delay is not acceptable and, and we need to be on top of it. Last week during the uh, states debate following your general update you were quizzed on um, preventative measures as well and I was just wondering um, how uh, your approach and prioritisation of um, preventative as well as reactionary measures uh, within HSC and, and health in general. Yeah they're, they're very important and the two go sort of hand in glove you need you need some of some of each um, and we work very closely with the Health Improvement Commission. They also can multiply our funds because they get, can get funds from elsewhere. So we work with them. They do our obesity strategy and our uh, tobacco, tobacco uh, strategies as well. We also work with the third sector with regard to um, social prescribing to try and get people that they don't necessarily need always uh, pills and potions, but they can also go running or jogging or, or scrabble or whatever art, painting, there are lots of other things where people can get that, that sort of extra support in life because one of the issues of course is, is, is loneliness and trying to get uh, um, people to feel part of the community and connected. So all of it's very important, it all costs money. Social prescribing is a great one. I remember we did a story on that last year. That is a fantastic way of kind yeah. of approaching things in a kind of alternative way than you usually would I suppose and catching people then. Um, Clearly, um, the the HSC is a is a is a is a massive committee. Your your mandate, what you're approaching, your workload has to be gigantic. And um, how have you? You're two years in now. How have you found the presidency of this particular committee? It is challenging. It is exactly as I thought it would be, um, having had the privilege of serving on health back in I think 2014. Um, it is a challenge. I'm very lucky. I've got a very good uh, board. From, from our committee's point of view, we've got some very good politicians with us and we're supported by a really good civil service. And um, I just wanted to, I think we'll just tie up with the last question because I um, think that was great and I really appreciate you giving us the time today and uh, for showing us around the hospital as well. The whole experience was great. Um, I just wanted to um, talk about when you finally come to the end of this term, do you feel like you've done everything you wanted to do? What kind of legacy I suppose which is a word I don't really like to use but what will you have left behind and in what position will you hope to have left uh, the committee and health in Guernsey in general? 
Well, I hope we will have a, a hospital modernization well underway by the time I, I, I leave. Uh, it would be really great if we can get some key worker accommodation. One of our key factors is being able to employ um, people from overseas to, to come and work here. It is a difficult market for them to find accommodation. We have the John Henry Court, which is full, um, and it's been full for years. We needed another one of those to come online two years ago. So we are struggling with the legacy of previous committees, not necessarily health committees, but those who've got responsibility for key worker housing, um, ha not having sufficient brought forward. And of course, I, I do have some sympathy. N none of us could have predicted Brexit necessarily, and we probably couldn't convict, uh, could have um, thought of COVID or the war in Ukraine, but have all added to staff pressures but we really do need some further um, accommodation avenues to us for key workers. So I would like to see that well underway before I, 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 I put up my, uh, my political hat. Do you see light at the end of that tunnel? Because that is a very topical issue, housing and particularly key, yeah, key no, work housing. We, we, there, is no, there is very little alternative. These are things that must be progressed. And my job really over the next two and two years left is to convince my fellow politicians that this is where they need to inv invest their time and their money for the benefit of islanders thank you very much for your time i really appreciate it thank you for listening to the bailiwick express podcast the title track was shift my weight by luno if you enjoyed it i know it's a pain but please like and share it all helps and remember you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the bailiwick you can find us online on social on email and on internet radio there'll be more from me matthew leach and all the bailiwick express team next friday